United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and I'm grateful to each and every one of you for welcoming me into your home as part of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Indeed, these are trying times as our entire world is turned upside down as we all deal with COVID-19 and everything that goes with it. I am thinking about all of you and grateful for all of you and appreciate you listening to our show Kind of uncanny as you think about it when Mike Lynch, the chair of the Faith-Based Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches, long before we really even knew this pandemic was coming, asked if he could do a six-part series as we were able to break down beginning with Coach Lynch, sportsmanship and ethics. Then we had a show about servant leadership. We focused one show on team culture, another show on care, connection, and commitment. Last week, we broke down sport ministry and different opportunities there, and we wrap up the six-part series led by the Faith-Based Coaches Advocacy Group today with Dr. Bill Thierfelder, who is the president of Belmont Abbey College, former elite athlete. He almost made two Olympic teams, both the USA and Ireland. You like his story, and he has worked with superstar athletes in multiple sports before going to Belmont Abbey. And his focus today for the last show, part six of six, developing the body, mind, and soul of our athletes. He will go deep, but stay with him, folks. He is passionate, and his message does make sense. When he is done, we are joined by another passionate man, Rusty Oglesby. The humble man describes himself as a little old coach in Texas. Well, the little old coach got a three-month-old at home, and he's got a message for all those high school athletes and high school coaches to stay strong. You'll like the message from Rusty Oglesby. That's our show, and we start going deep with developing the body, mind, and soul of our athletes with Dr. Bill Thierfelder from Belmont Abbey College after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coach Podcast presented by Team Snap. We are kicking off with the last of six consecutive shows featuring the United Soccer Coaches Faith-Based Coaches led by their chair, Mike Lynch. He kicked us off with sportsmanship and ethics, then we talked servant leadership, then we talked team culture, then it was team care, connection, and commitment. Last week it was sport ministry, and today we'll be talking about developing body, mind, soul in our athletes. And we got a big-timer, folks, Dr. Bill Thierfelder, who has been the president at Belmont Abbey College, where ironically that's where Mike Lynch has been the longtime soccer coach since 2004. He got his undergrad at Maryland. Of course, you know we've had Sasso Swarovski on this program quite a bit. And he got his master's and his doctorate at Boston University. Nancy Feldman, a friend of United Soccer Coaches Forever, and, of course, Coach Roberts, who just retired. We love that connection. Dr. Thierfelder, this has been an honor for me to play just a tiny little role in this. First off, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Well, Dean, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And let me just tell you, the work that you're doing is invaluable. I mean, this is just just awesome, and I'm looking forward to the show with you. Well, and really all the credit, I think, goes to Mike Lynch, who you know as well as anybody. He has really done amazing work for United Soccer Coaches, amazing work geared around sportsmanship and ethics, and of course, all of these other topics, servant leadership, sport ministry, you name it. What's it like working with Mike Lynch? Because I've been really impressed. Mike, first of all, is an incredibly great person. I mean, just a good man, a good person. Uh, he's also an exceptionally good soccer coach. And the reason he came to the college is because when I had gotten here, my whole vision for sport here was about sport being a means for developing virtue, 
Which, by the way, they're not mutually exclusive. Because sometimes when you hear those two words together, there seems to be a choice to be made. Either we're going to be really, really, really good athletes, or we're going to be really, really good people, as if somehow the two are mutually exclusive. And, of course, they're not. So when I set out to do this, you can't do this if you don't have the right people. If you don't have the right coaches in place, this is impossible to do. So there was a guy by the name of John Keating, who was our head men's soccer coach, who was out in Nebraska, and he had heard about what we were trying to do here, and we got together. He ends up taking the job as the head men's coach, and he says, hey, I got this friend. He is outstanding, and he would be a perfect fit here, and I think he would love this, and it was Mike Lynch. And so I talked to Mike Lynch, and then Mike heard about this and knew that John was here, and so he came, and I'm telling you, that was just momentum from that point on. We started getting coaches here in every sport that are completely dedicated to sport and virtue, and at the same time, they're really good coaches. So Mike Lynch isn't just a good guy in terms of sportsmanship and other things. He is really a good coach. Our our women's team does phenomenally well, and his development of those students uh, in their athletic ability is, is just remarkable. You're hearing the voice of Dr. Bill Thierfelder, who has been the longtime president, in fact, since 2004, of Belmont Abbey College. He was born in Manhattan. As we'll get into a little bit, his dad was a vice president of the New York Yankees. As I already told you, he got his bachelor's from University of Maryland, his master's and Ph.D. from Boston University, and he's also a big-time athlete. Like, you were right there, right, on the brink of participating in the Olympics as a high jumper, right? Well, uh, let me tell you, because it's, it's a little confusing of a story. So I, I qualified for the 1980 U.S. Olympic trials, but that was the year that President Carter um, said we were going to boycott, and so we ended up not going. Now, I did not make the Olympic team in that year. In 1984, and I know this is a really convoluted story, I was going back again to compete, uh, you know, in the in the Olympic trials. Uh, but my grandfather, who is from Ireland, took me over to Ireland, and just to tell you that one thing led to another, and I did not want this or plan it or anything, but I was asked to compete on the Irish national team, which I did, and... Um, you know, I broke their record, and I qualified for the Olympic Games. And a month before the 1984 Olympic Games in L.A., I blew out my knee. Uh, and that was sort of the end of my jumping uh, at that point. And so it kind of brings up the whole COVID thing, to believe it or not, because it, it comes down to are you accepting of divine providence? Are you accepting of God, you know, what God opens and closes in your life in terms of the doors? Um, yes, you got your 100% participation and cooperation, but God does provide uh, opportunity and sometimes closes certain doors. And so I have to tell you, I was at complete peace that even though I was injured and not able to compete having made the team, I was at peace with that. And I would say with the COVID-19, there's going to be a lot of athletes in the same boat for a different reason in terms of them not being able to compete possibly in this next Olympics. Now, it's only a year delay, so hopefully they can hang on. But you know how this is with Olympics. It's is given times that athletes are kind of peaking in a career, and uh, there may be some that don't make it to 2021. That's so well said as we're here with Dr. Bill Thierfelder, who is the president of Belmont Abbey College. And let's get right into it. Let's talk about developing the body, mind, and soul. Before we do that, there's no surprise that he's also got an affinity for sports. As I understand your dad was actually vice president of the New York Yankees back in the day, right? Yeah, he was. This was before Steinbrenner uh, had purchased it. It was owned by CBS at the time, and my dad was a senior vice president at CBS. And uh, when they bought the Yankees, uh, they'd asked him to run it. So my dad actually did all the operational work. So he was in charge of all the player personnel stuff, paychecks, you know, the stadium, all that went into it. And uh, it was a great – I was I was still young then. I was only uh, – let's see, I was probably like 10 years old when he first got there. and Maybe he was there for three or four years. Uh, before they went through the transition. so But it was a great experience. I mean, I got to meet Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford and, you know, kind of that whole era of uh, of Yankee players, including, you know, Joe DiMaggio, who was always around the stadium, and other people. So it was really, you know, a remarkable opportunity. That is so awesome. All right, well, let's do it. Let's learn about uh, why a coach needs to develop body, mind, and soul. So with that, a blanket question, why does a coach need to develop body, mind, and soul in our athletes? Well, think about it. I mean, sometimes, you know, what we tend to do as human beings is we break these things down into boxes so, like, they're easier for us to process. So we say, okay, this box over here, we're going to do some physical work, and this box over here, we're going to do some mental work, and this box over here, maybe we're going to do some, you know, spiritual kind of things. As if, as if as human beings were three separate things. I mean, at the same nanosecond, right now, you and I and everybody listening to this, at this very fraction of a second, we are body, mind, and soul. 
So really the question comes down, do you believe as a soul? Now, that could be a whole different discussion, which I won't even entertain right now. But if most people will at least admit that God does exist, uh, whatever your, your belief may be, that God, this higher being, does exist, and that there is an actual immortal soul, how could we leave out one-third of a reality? How could we leave out one-third of a person? As a matter of fact, we'd be leaving out the one-third of the most important thing about a person because that lasts forever. The other two things are going to pass. So this soul piece is not some abstract idea. We're all three of those things. And when we don't develop them fully in an integrated kind of way, we are leaving an important part of a human being out. And I would argue that they will not perform as well as they can. Now, when I say that, some people say, yeah, well, I know some athletes who are, you know, they're full of ice and yet they're great athletes. Of course, a world-class athlete is a world-class athlete. But let me ask you the question, which would you prefer, the world-class athlete filled with faith or a world-class athlete filled with virtue? And I would argue the one with virtue is going to outperform their same self if they were pursuing vice in every other area of their life. Um, most world-class athletes are incredible human beings. I've worked with pro football players. I've worked with pro athletes in just about every sport there is. And they're unique human beings. I mean, they, they've been blessed. They've been gifted. We made up these sports, right? They're, they're made up. I mean, who, who decided on hitting little white balls across green grass into holes, right? I mean, we, we made that up. So right. the point being, there are going to be certain human beings who are genetically, in other ways, really suited for a particular sport. And then through their good efforts, they're going to work hard and so forth, and they're going to get good at them. But I would argue that, I've never met an athlete. I'm talking about I've worked with world record holders. I've worked with Olympic gold medalists. I've worked with MVP, uh, winners of MVP, uh, world, uh, uh, you know, Super Bowl teams in, in football. Um, so I, I've worked with, like, the best athletes that there are in the world, and I would tell you they all have further to go than they've come. They're just better than the average person. But that doesn't mean they've tapped out their abilities. No matter how good you think they are, they have more in them. And sometimes that, that actual skill level is a detriment to them in some ways because they don't need to tap them out all the way because they're already doing better than most people. But I have, I've always found every athlete I've ever worked with could clearly improve in dramatic ways no matter what level they were performing at. So pleased to be here with Dr. Bill Thierfelder, the president of Belmont Abbey College, as we're talking about developing body, mind, and soul now, should organized religion, or in your case, a Catholic church, be concerned with sport, provide guidance about sport, et cetera? And if so, can you give some examples? I, I think we, we need to start first looking at sport. And I, I'm sure if there's a lot of coaches listening to us right now, they're going to, they're gonna, I think, agree with me. Unfortunately, sport is looked at sometimes as a really negative thing. It's looked at some, somehow it's either a waste of our time, it's a distraction, it's not something really good for us, or it's something that we've got to tolerate. It is just the opposite. We were made to play. God actually made us to play. There has never been a human being that has not played. And I'll tell you, when I went to the University of Maryland, um, they told me my major was eligibility. So I, I'm not going to claim any great scholarship here, but um, I was curious, and what I was curious about is this, since everybody does play, and everybody's drawn to play, like, why is that, you know? So I started to look, and I was shocked. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, uh, St. Augustine, um, I could go on, the list is almost just of the brightest, best minds and people that have ever lived have all had something to say about sport. I mean, Plato, in 386 B.C., he wrote, for he who changes the sports is secretly changing the manners of the young and making the old to be dishonored among them and the new to be honored. Plato, in 386 B.C., sees the power and influence of sports. I mean, Saint, Saint, we call it St. Augustine in the Catholic Church, but I know some people refer to St. Augustine. Here's a quote. This is a quote from St. Augustine. As a boy, I played ball games. And then he goes on to talk about how he didn't properly direct sport. He said, I was disobedient, not because I had chosen the higher thing, but from the love of sport in competitive games, I love the pride of winning. Now, there should be a joy of winning. Pride is very selfish. It's very self-centered and focused. Um, so, so here's St. Augustine. I don't picture him. I picture him with a scripture in his hand, a long robe or something, right? I, I don't picture him as a boy. I played ball games. And I could go on and on. And then you get to scripture. 
St. Paul, you know, in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, he's talking about our bodies being a temple. Then he goes on to say, therefore glorify God in your body. And then he goes on, you know, further down, and we all know this, you know, the, the, the description of the runners in the stadium. They all run in the race, and, but only one wins the prize. And so he goes on. But there's a phrase at the end of, of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He says, no, I drive my body and I train it. Wow. I mean, those sound like words of an Olympian or a world record holder or, or you know, an elite athlete. And why St. Paul was talking about these sports analogies was because he was from Tarsus. And in Tarsus, there was a thing called the palestra. And back then, a palestra was an Olympic training center. So he knew the people he was talking to would completely relate to this because, one, we are all made to play. So they would get it. They'd be attracted to it. And then in Proverbs 8, you know, it was God's delight day after day, playing before God all the time, playing in the world, in God's earth. My delight was with humankind. So play is like wisdom. I mean, it is contemplation of the highest things. It's done for its own sake, not some artificial end. And I would say to you that play has the ability to lift us up and have us contemplate God. You know, very often people think of nature and beautiful art and cathedrals or whatever you want to look at. Those are the things that inspire us, you know, to think about something beyond ourselves. I would say sport has the same capacity. Um, I'll give you one example. In the, in the 2012 London Olympics, there was a guy by the name of David Rhodesia who ran the half mile. He led from the beginning of the race. And he won the half mile in a world record time of one minute and 40 seconds. Now, I don't know if you know half mile times, but one minute and 40 seconds is absolutely incredible. And I could watch the loop of him running that a million times over because it is so inspiring. And I'm telling you, when I watched him, I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm, I'm looking at the, the form, the courage, the perseverance, the focus. And I, I'll tell you what came into my head. God made this man in his image and likeness. So sport has this capacity to lift us up. We could look at great soccer plays, right? And we could say they just, you know, kind of floor us. We, we almost find it hard to believe they were possible, you know, to even occur. Those kind of things make us think about something greater than ourselves. So I would say this to you. We are so wired to play that we will even pay to watch other people do it. So play is this thing we are made for. So when we talk about religion or your church or something else, first of all, it should be properly directed. It should have its aim at the ultimate end of why we're doing anything in life. But it's not this compartmentalized thing. It's something that we're called to, that's something that God placed in us, and it is something that is really important. So it is not a timeout. It is not a distraction. It's not something we shouldn't be doing. It is just the opposite. But what's important about sport and soccer, as we talk about it here, is how we direct it. The sport's not the problem. We're usually the problem. So how are we engaged in the sport? How are we making the most of all the skills, talents, and ability God has blessed us with? You know, that's the parable of Matthew 25, 14 to 30, parable of the talents. How am I doubling my talent? You didn't say, how am I doubling my squat? How am I doubling my 20-yard speed or my 40-yard speed? It's saying, how do I double all of the gifts and talents and abilities God gave me? And that's in body, mind, and soul. So that's my, I guess, long-winded way of describing to you of how we should be looking at this, how anybody should be looking at this, including any church or faith or religion. I mean, we should be looking at it as this is something we were made for, and it needs to be properly directed. As you think about it, let me mix it up a little bit here. Would you recommend your approach to developing body, mind, and soul in our athletes to sport for a secular coach at a secular program, a faith-based coach at a secular program, a faith-based coach at a faith-based program? There's all these different scenarios. How would you go about recommending it to any scenario? Well, I start off first, well, what, what do you hope for? So no matter who you are, whether you have a faith or you don't have a faith, right, what, what do you hope for? I mean, I, I hope that you're hoping that the person that's in front of you, this athlete, this student, in this case, maybe it's a student, maybe it's not, that, that they will tap out all their skills, talents, and abilities. They will get the very most out of themselves. So I come back to that person like, you know, I can't do this analogy with anybody in person, but right now in the room that you're in, in the room anybody listening to us is in, right, let's say you're sitting in a chair right now. If you suddenly stood up and somebody quickly took that chair outside the door, closed the door to the room, I can ask you a question. Does the chair still exist? And most likely, yes, the chair still exists, right? So, right? so whether you say you believe in God or not, think about this. If God actually does exist, your belief in him one way or the other doesn't change whether God exists or not. 
So what I'm saying to you then is we are body, mind, and soul. We are all three of those things. To leave any of them out is a detriment. It's going to take away from your ability to perform at the highest level. Every athlete I've ever worked with, and I've worked with like NFL players, for example, that had 13-year careers, um, the, the beginning stuff is easy. If you understand exercise physiology, biomechanics, motor learning control, you know, sports psych, you know, nutrition, if you understand all of those things, it is pretty straightforward doing periodized training and figuring out how to maximize somebody's ability physically. Um, but then what you quickly realize is that, well, their body isn't some, some zombie thing running by itself. There's actually a mind attached to it. There's a brain attached to it, which means then the way this person thinks the way this the person's ability to focus and so forth is critical to the ability to them tap out the physical abilities they may possess or, or could possess. But then what they find out very quickly is once you've mastered kind of the mental skills and the physical skills, you realize there's still, uh, there's still something missing. And the thing that's missing is why are you going to sacrifice? What is your purpose in life? Why would you be able to, how could you deal with adversity? How are you going to deal with people who don't treat you right? How are you going to deal with an injury that seems to be maybe career-ending? How are you going to deal with all that stuff? And that starts to go much deeper. That starts to go into what do you believe ultimately? This life we're in right now is a billionth of a second. It comes and goes. It's gone in a fraction of a second. Eternity lasts forever. So this billionth of a second we're put here, you've got to be asking yourself, why did God put us here for a billionth of a second? Like, what was the point? Going to that left, but I'll tell you what the question, the bottom line is, he's asking, do you love me? And he's giving us the opportunity with our free will to show whether we do or do we don't. I mean, we can give lip service, but he's also going to watch us. You know, how do we live our lives? How do we treat people? How do we develop the skills, talents, and abilities he's given us? I mean, that's ultimately what we're called to. You're hearing the passion and the wisdom of Dr. Bill Thierfelder, president of Belmont Abbey College, where Mike Lynch, the chair of the Faith-Based Coaches Advocacy Group, put this six-part series together. Sportsmanship and ethics, servant leadership, team culture, team care connection, commitment, sport ministry. And today, Dr. Thierfelder talking about developing body, mind, soul in our athletes. And if you're wondering about this man behind the passion, we can also tell you that he has less than a minute to go. You can go to less than a minute to go.com. That's one of his performance websites. He previously had a podcast called Playing with Fire, more recently focused on developing new sport performance entity at Belmont Abbey College called Sport Virtue Institute. We talked about his work with the Olympics. He's got the Christian vision of sport. It's an hour presentation that you can check out on YouTube. Knowing that all of these resources are out there, spearheaded by you, what are some practical tips, Dr. Thierfelder, to improve performance based around this notion that we're talking about of body, mind, and soul. What are some practical tips to improve performance in one minute, one hour, one month? I mean, give us okay. some tips because I tell you're passionate about it. One thing when we talk about the spiritual side, we talk about the soul, right? The tendency tends to be that we drift off and think we're all holding the hands and saying a prayer at the end of a practice or a game, which is, by the way, fantastic. I'm all for it. But if during the time we're not, we're not connected in any way, there's, there, there's something missing. But I do think what's important is that when I tell you about development of mind, body, mind, and soul, you gotta realize I am giving up nothing. I am, I am not gonna let one thing go that can help a person perform better. So this isn't just think good thoughts and be a good person. This is about if you're a soccer player, how do you become a better soccer player? And I'll just give you like one example, right? So think about your drills that you're working on. If, if somebody's shooting on goal, for example, right? The tendency is we look for, like, spaces. We look for, you know, upper left corner, upper right corner, lower right corner, lower left corner. Maybe we're looking for a hole in the middle, right? So so we got these, like, general spaces that we're trying to train people to be able to, you know, kick a ball to, right? Well, I don't know if anybody's ever thought about this as a soccer coach, but if I asked you, how many soccer balls it takes to cover a goal mouth. So in other words, if I covered the whole face of the goal mouth, floor, you know, top bar to the ground, all the way across, how many soccer balls could fit side by side, all, all the way across? And I've asked a lot of, I've asked a lot of players this, and I get some wild answers. I get like, you know, 70. I'm like, no, actually 383 soccer balls fit across a goal mouth. Now, imagine seeing 383 soccer balls across a goal mouth, and imagine that I've just numbered them 1 through 383. And I say to you, hit number 22. 
I can just tell you right now there's a paradigm shift in your mind because you're not used to thinking in that kind of precision of where you're placing the ball. But you have the capacity. The athletes that you're working with have the capacity from a motor control standpoint to, to be able to distinguish that fine a difference. I'll give you an example working with golfers. Um, I'll take them out on a regulation green. I'll put down five balls about 20, 25 feet from the hole, and I'll say, go ahead, sink them. I'm talking about these are, these are pro players. These are on tour, LPGA or yeah. PGA, right? I lay them down. Yeah. I say, go, go ahead, put them in. Um, they then attempt to sink them, and I will tell you on average what I saw is maybe one out of five they're putting in, okay? I bring the five balls back. I drop them back down. I say, okay, line them up again. And then before they go, I say, okay, now wait a second. Before you go, here's the deal. You got to close your eyes. After you hit the ball, before you open your eyes, you got to tell me where the ball went. Did it go long or short? Is it left or right? And by how much? I have never had somebody not put more of the balls in with their eyes closed than open. And the reason why is very simple. Seventy percent of your attention is visual. When you close your eyes, all of it goes to kinesthetic awareness. And if you think about it, what is the kinesthetic awareness? If I'm holding a putter in my hand. I can, I can feel direction backward and forward, which is force, and I can feel rotation, which is actually changing the direction of the club head. And when I put 100% of my focus onto feeling the force and feeling the direction of the club head, you would be amazed at how accurate you can get. And I've always asked golfers, what's the point of that drill? And they'll say to me, to put the ball in the hole. I'll say, no. The point of the drill is to know where the ball went. Because think about this. If you know where every ball goes, you could eventually put a ball anywhere you want. So in soccer, we sometimes don't get it down to that level of precision to say, I actually possess that, but I don't even think about doing it. You know, another golf story, I'll just give you quickly, um, worked with a woman on the LPGA Tour, uh, had worked with her for a while, so she, when I tell you what I did with her, she was kind of ready for it. Um, out on a regulation green before an actual tournament, um, she was warming up, and she had out, uh, I think her... Uh, I think it was a pitching wedge she had. 100-yard board. Fila was the sponsor, F-I-L-A, on a, on a little board. And uh, I said, what's your target? And she said to me, it's the F in Fila. I said, go ahead. Hits her first ball, lands maybe 10 feet to the right of the sign. And I can tell you right now, any other woman out there would have been completely content and satisfied with that ball landing at 100 yards out, 10 feet from the right of the sign, would have been pretty happy with that shot. But I said to her, and she knew it was coming, I said, is that what you wanted? She goes, no, I want, to, I want to be F. I said, can you feel the difference? She goes, I think so. She hits the next ball over the A in Fila. Now, you would think, oh, my God, that's amazing. Man. Isn't that great? But I said to her, is that what you wanted? And she said, no, I wanted the F. I said, you think you could feel the difference? This is about 100 yards. This Fila board is only probably three feet wide at most. And I said to her, do you think you feel the difference between the A and the F? On the next shot, she actually hit the F on the board. Now, here's what amazed me about that. First of all, that she had the ability to do it. <laughs> I thought, wow, that is just incredible, right? But here was the more important thing to gain from this little, like, story. She would have never thought of doing it. She would have never had that expectation that she had that ability. She would have never developed that. So I'm saying the same thing in soccer. Are you working at a level of precision? Are you underestimating the abilities of the, of the individuals that you're working with to be incredibly precise? If you said to that athlete, I want you to hit number 22 – and they hit number 23, that's only eight and a half inches, right, of difference. If, if you, you might say, wow, that's pretty good. But you got to ask, is that what you wanted? And there was something you did to hit number 23 that was different than hitting number 22. And the question is, can you feel that difference? And I'm telling you, human beings can feel those differences. And that means they are capable of hitting the 22. It takes a lot of work takes a lot of focus, but first you've got to be focused on the right things, which is being able to feel what your body's doing. So from a, a very practical standpoint, that's just one example of motor learning and control in terms of how you actually master movement, how you master skills. It's not a matter of checking off boxes and say, how many sprints did you do or how many of these passing girls did you do? How precise are you able to do them? That's kind of a general idea. We talked about less than a minute to go, and then also this Christian vision of sport that you can find on YouTube, Dr. Thierfelder, and really it gives a great background into your world view on why developing body, mind, and soul is important to reach peak performance. If you could, a Cliff's version of that hour presentation, Christian vision of sport, what's your takeaway? Okay, I'll give you a story, and it's a, I hope it's a quick story, but it'll, it'll, it'll kind of capture a lot of it, okay? 
So I was working with an NFL wide receiver, run indoor facility. He's running some routes, and about the ninth or tenth ball, he dropped the ball. And when he dropped the ball, he left out a really bad word that I won't even repeat or come close to repeating, but it was a really bad word, and you would have probably heard it before. And uh, I looked at him, and he turned around, and I said, what did you say? And again, he kind of looked at me a little sheepishly, and he you know, said, boy, I dropped the ball. I said, no, you dropped the ball. I said, well, what did you say? And he goes, well, you know, I dropped the ball. I said, thank you, Jesus, right? He looks at me like I've hit him over the head with a two-by-four, right? And, and he says to me, well, why am I thanking Jesus? I dropped the ball. And I said, First Thessalonians 5.18. It says to be thankful in all things. Bang your head, thank you, Jesus. Win the lottery, thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you, Jesus, right? So he looks at me. He looks at me, and I said, so? And he goes, thank you, Jesus? I said, good, come on back. Now, you may say to me, well, wait a second. What does that have to do with him being a wide receiver? Well, I'm going to tell you. Two things. First one is the virtue of gratitude. It's, it's the higher argument. It's the right thing to do. We should be thankful in all things. The second one is purely sports performance, purely pragmatic. Well, he's out there. This is an NFL wide receiver. If he drops a ball, he drops a ball for a very specific reason, and it's not because he can't catch. He dropped it, and he doesn't know why. And why doesn't he know why? Because when you're out there cursing and kicking the ground, you have lost that precious moment of knowing what you just did. By the way, kicking the ground and cursing is a form of pride. You are trying to show me and the world, and maybe yourself, how great you are, that you don't drop balls. That's why you're so upset about this, right? So I come back. He comes back. I said, so tell me what happened. Now, I know everybody listening to me right now has had this experience. You get the statement with a question mark at the end because they have no idea. So it's like a blackout, right? So I said, so what happened? He goes, I didn't get my hands up. I said, okay, let me tell you what happened. Now, I can't show you this, but when you do an impulse cut as a wide receiver, when you plant and come off of that cut, your head literally can snap around in a, in a fraction of a second. What he did, though, which a lot of players do, is he swept his head around. And when you sweep your head around kind of with your shoulders and your head kind of turning at the same rate, two things happen. One is it takes longer than snapping your head around, and two, everything blurs until your head stops. So what had happened to him is he planted, he swept his head around, and by the time he swept his head around, the ball was on top of him and actually hit him in the helmet. So I told him this. He goes out. He's running some more routes. About, again, maybe eighth, ninth, tenth ball. I can't remember the exact number. He drops another ball. Now, he drops it, and I can tell. He's about to say that word again, but he stops himself, and he looks back at me, and I kind of you know raise my shoulders and tilt my head, and I said, yeah? And he goes, Thank you, Jesus. I said, good, come on back. I said, now tell me what happened. He said, you know, it's exactly what you said on that last one. He goes, I planted and I swept my head around and I didn't see it in time. I said, perfect. I didn't say, yeah, you got to fix that. I said, perfect. You know why? Because he knew what he did. The first, the first key thing in changing anything is awareness. If you lack awareness, you can change absolutely nothing. So I said, perfect. By the end of the day, this guy is, is catching balls that could be on a highlight reel on ESPN. If he does drop one, he's hardly dropping one, by the way, after this. If he could be 50 yards away from me, and if he dropped this ball, he, I hear him at the top of his lungs yelling out, Thank you, Jesus! And he meant it. <laughs> now, here is my point. In that session, we didn't need to kneel down after the session was over. In that session, he became a better man physically, mentally, and spiritually. By saying thank you, Jesus... It, it was the right thing to do to start with, but practically it freed him up. It got rid of the garbage. It got rid of the feeding themselves up. It got rid of the distraction of their thoughts on what the coach is going to say when I messed up on that pass or when I didn't, you know, I took a lousy shot or whatever it might have been in their mind. All of that stuff has nothing to do with them performing at the best of their ability. So that's a little story that starts to capture the practicality, the integration. But that book goes far and wide. I mean, you you could start that book, and you'll be amazed at where that book goes in terms of all the stories that are in it. And it's it's everything from the practical to the deep. Indeed, we're having a good time here with Dr. Bill Thierfelder, longtime president at Belmont Abbey College. As you've already heard, he's done a ton of things in and around sport as well, including being an accomplished athlete. 
that uh, almost made the Olympics. And a couple more questions before we let you go. As you know, there's more than 20,000 members of United Soccer Coaches who was kind enough to give the Faith-Based Coaches Advocacy Group this six-week platform. Some of those coaches will say, well, that's not me. That's not for me. Why should they still pay attention to this incredible message of developing body, mind, and soul in our athletes? Well, I'd ask them, are you into championships? Are, are you into, like, world-class athletes? Are you into, you know, having your athletes perform at the highest ability possible? I would be shocked if I met any coach that would say to me, no, I'm not into any of that. Uh, so, so if you are, why wouldn't you want to tap out? I mean, this is like a toolbox, right? Like, why would you leave certain tools out that are going to help you? So why would you leave out a third of a person, even if you don't feel strongly about it? I mean, just your sense of, again, there's – there's very few true atheists. You know, most people at least have some sense of something beyond themselves, right? So even if you haven't developed that, even if even if it's not something you've given a lot of thought to, and maybe you're a more pragmatic kind of person, you say, well, I'm just looking for really good performance. I'm telling you, this is really good performance. We're not, that's what I said, we're not giving anything up. I think sometimes when people hear about the spiritual side, they think, okay, this has nothing to do with playing soccer. This has nothing to do with getting really good at soccer. And I'm, I'm saying I beg to differ. I'm telling you right now it does. This completely has everything to do with being the best possible soccer player you can be in every possible way, to be as fast as you can be, to jump as high as you can jump, to be as skilled as placing a ball exactly where you want to place it, to being a person of virtue who's going to persevere under the most difficult of circumstances, who's going to be a person who's going to be an incredible teammate, who's going to be supportive of a team culture, who's going to be supportive of a coach and be respectful and obedient. I mean, all of those things, are you saying none of those things would be valuable to somebody? I mean, all of those things are critical. And if you could have, imagine, imagine having one person on your team that had those. You'd say, wow, I'm, I'm, that, that's pretty good, right? Imagine every person on the field with that. That team is unbeatable. I don't care if you could pull out superstars from another team and say, yeah, but they got three people who are unbelievable. Yeah, but you got 11 out there in this case who are just remarkable, and, and they may not have the skill level of those three, but they're going to make up for it in terms of tapping out all of their skills, talents, and abilities, and the love and respect and obedience and, you know, care they have for each other. That That is worth everything. I mean, that is going to make the difference. That's why it's a team sport. It's not like track and field where I can be an individual. It's a team sport, and you need a whole team playing. Dr. Therfowder, before we tap out on this incredible conversation, we earlier talked about the fact that COVID-19 is going on and our teams aren't practicing right now. They are doing unique, you know, they're creating all kind of unique ways to communicate, but because of your wisdom and experience, I really want a more global point of view as we're all dealing with this. Forget about our athletes, but during COVID-19, which is affecting the entire world, not just our little part of it or even our country, yeah. what is your message to all of us about developing our body, mind, and soul during such a tough time? Well, you know, this is just one detailed example of a tough time. I realize it's unusual, <laughs> to say the least, in my lifetime, like nothing like this has happened before. But, you know, this could be someone carrying an ACL. This could be, you know, where, where it's devastating to that person, right? And now I realize, don't get me wrong here, I'm not insensitive to the suffering and to deaths that have occurred, but you're asking me, how do we right now who are not suffering from COVID-19 go on with life? I mean, we just can't all bury ourselves inside our house and never come out again. So how do we go on? So part of it would be, from my standpoint, this is an opportunity, I know people don't think of it that way, but you have an opportunity right now to master things that normally you would have never had time to do. So in a way, if you take advantage of it, if you say, well, look, this is a terrible thing that's happened. Wish it wasn't happening. We'll try to do everything I can to ameliorate it and to mitigate it and to make it less. However, I have this time. I have this unusual amount of time that I could really dedicate myself. I mean, Think of the dribbling drills that you could do every single day. I mean, if you wanted to master something. And this isn't somebody forcing you to do it. This is hopefully a desire to want to tap out all your skills, talents, and abilities. I don't know if you've ever seen the Chinese acrobats. You know, I mean, they're just unbelievable. They do stuff that you don't even think human beings are capable of. I mean, they're, they're balanced on like 14 chairs in the air on a, doing a handstand and like, you know, running with a ball on, the, on their feet upside down. I mean, it's, it's like mind-boggling. Well, how did they ever learn to do that? It's like the time they put into mastering that kind of stuff 
is is how they're capable of doing these extraordinary things. So in a way, we get this little window of time that normally isn't present. And so there's an opportunity here to make the most of all that we have. And then from another point of it, it gives us a chance to reflect on our lives and to say, you know, am I using all the skills, talent, abilities I've been blessed with? Um, you know, have I have I kind of not been good about that? I've not been a good steward of what I've been blessed with, you know. So maybe this is a time to, you know, take stock of all that you've been given. And I will tell you, one of the greatest dangers in the world is that people underestimate their skill, talent, ability. I see that everywhere. I see it by everybody. You are blessed and you have more than you know. And you have not tapped it out. You haven't even come close to tapping it out. So first, it takes an awareness to know that. Second, it takes a little bit of thinking through to say, well, what is it I want to be able to do? And then what is it I can do about that? And I have time right now to actually apply myself and to master those skills in a way that normally I would not. So if you if you take advantage of this, it, it can be a blessing in disguise for you in some way. Finally, to wrap up here, as we are honored to be joined by Dr. Bill Thierfelder, the president of Belmont Abbey. As you think about this six-part series, and you mentioned the word opportunity, Mike Lynch making the most of his opportunity as the chair of the Faith-Based Coaches Advocacy Group, creating this opportunity to have a six-part series that was focused, Dr. Thierfelder, on sportsmanship and ethics, servant leadership, team culture, team care, connection, commitment, Sport ministry, and today your message about developing body, mind, soul in our athletes. Knowing that United Soccer Coaches gave this platform to the faith-based coaches, when you look back and, and soak it all up, what do, you, what do you think it means? What do you think it says about this organization? I think it's great. I mean, it, it shows that there's an insight there, there's a wisdom there that says, you know, this is something that could be of value to everybody. Somebody might say, hey, look, that's not my particular thing. Maybe I'm not into it. Maybe I don't know that much about it. But it, it strikes me it's a good thing. And the, the, I guess the, the biggest case or, or thing I would try to make, and I see this, by the way, regardless of what faith somebody might be, we tend to separate these things. And I think the case that needs to be made by the, by the faith-based coaches in this is not to say, oh, we're just saying everybody should be more spiritual what we should be saying is that we we believe in the development of the whole person. We want to leave nothing out. That means I want to be a national champion. I want to have students that are all American. I want to see people go on to professional sport if they're capable of it. You know, whatever level is appropriate. I, I want somebody to be able to go from high school and get a scholarship to college or at least play on a college team. I mean, whatever those levels are, whatever those jumps are, I think the faith-based coaches need to, and I know they believe this already, but I think we need to make sure that those that are not necessarily directly involved understand that we're not talking about some outside, time-out kind of thing. We are saying everything they want, we want. We're saying to them, we have some ideas, though, to add to what they're doing that maybe even make your your athletes better than they are currently. So I, I think that's an important case to make, that it, it's development of the whole person, and we need to show that we are talking about development of the, as I said earlier, exercise physiology, biomechanics, motor learning control, sport-specific techniques, you know, nutrition, sports psychology, ability to focus on the present moment. I mean, all of those things, we want 100%. We want, we want every every person we work with to tap every one of those out but then we're saying, and, it's not or, and this other part of the human being plays into their ability to do that, their ability to improve their speed, to get stronger, to focus, to be a good teammate. These, this other part of them does that, too. These aren't separational things. We, we can't separate them. Finally, Dr. Thierfelder, as we wrap up here, as we're talking about developing body, mind, soul in our athletes, any final point you want to make? And then also, if people want to learn more, perhaps, about your sport, Virtue Institute, or Less Than a Minute to Go, or some of these other great things you've done, like Kristen Vision of Sport, plug those as well. So final message about this important topic, developing body, mind, and soul in our athletes, and then where they can find more resources. Well, first, I'll just tell you that you and all the coaches that are involved in this, I, I couldn't put a value on it. I, I mean, what you're doing is so critically important. I, I just, I, I just want to encourage you to keep doing it because this is, the, this is the vision of sport that we're all called to. This is what it should look like. 
And so, you know, as we go forward, I, I would say to everybody, it's important for us to be able to make a case. I mean, you know, this is life. We've got to be able to make arguments, right? We got to, be, And I don't mean argue, but we have to use our reason. We have to use our logic. We have to use our, our ability to articulate our ideas. We've got to make a case to the rest of the world why sport is important, why play. And by the way, sport and play are interchangeable. Sport is the competitive form of play. So when I say play, I don't think I'm talking about something else. Play is sport. So what I'm saying is we need to make a case to the rest of the world to say, look, sport isn't the problem. You may get some bad players or actors in this whole thing that, that are highlighted all the time that make it look like it is, but sport itself, it is, we were made for it. it it's, it's absolutely an essential thing for us. So we've got to make that case. That's on us. That's on the coaches to be able to make that case, which means then we've got to sort of think this. We've got to think about this. We've got to educate ourselves. We've got to, we've got to go a little deeper and say, well, what does this actually mean? How does it all fit together? And be able to explain that in a way that hopefully inspires others. I mean, you don't beat people up to get this stuff. We've we got, we got to draw people in. We've got to inspire them. And I'll just give this final encouragement. I would say that very often, you know, we feel alone. We feel isolated in this. And it's a lot like the so old Soviet Union. I'm old enough to <laughs> remember that old Soviet Union. But, you know, the old Soviet Union, they had a spy, an informant on every block and every building. And although you lived amidst millions, you didn't know who you could trust, so you felt very isolated and alone. Well, our culture and society today does that to us in some ways. I think it's the media. I think it's other things. We tend to feel very isolated and alone, and we kind of feel like we're the last remnant. You know, it's just us. We're, nobody else is left. I have spoken, without exaggeration, to millions of people, whether it's on TV or radio or, or in audiences, whatever it might be. There are tens of millions of people that want what you're doing. The very thing you're trying to build up, the very thing that you have this podcast for, the very thing these coaches that are involved in this organization are trying to support and, and to make people aware of, there are, I would argue, a hundred million people in this country that desperately want what you're doing, but they all feel isolated and alone, much like sometimes ourselves. You just got to know that's not true. And so we got to go forward, we got to band together, and we've got to change the culture. And by the way, we can change the culture. We are the culture. So, for example, you could say, yeah, but look what CBS or ESPN or whoever. You know what? They are completely pragmatic. If they said, hey, these people aren't paying for this, they would change and say, well, what will these people pay for? And by the way, if we put our money where our mouth is, we would, we would get change happening. But I want to encourage everybody that's listening to this, that maybe hears it at some point, keep going. I mean, you're doing the right thing, and just don't let up. Don't let up. As we develop body, mind, and soul in our athletes, part six of a six-part series led by the Faith-Based Coaches Advocacy Group, which is chaired by Mike Lynch, who works for Dr. Phil Searfelder. Dr. Searfelder, I enjoyed every second of it. Absolutely a pleasure. Thanks for all you've done and continue to do. And thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Being a coach means being a lot of things. Mentor, teacher, role model, motivator, leader, organizer. Of course, it's not easy to be all of those things. You need help, and who better to help you than an association of fellow coaches. Membership with United Soccer Coaches includes access to over $500 worth of e-learning courses, an improved online resource library with more than 1,000 activities, session plans and articles, $1 million worth of liability insurance, and a whole lot more. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org join and start your free 30-day introductory membership today. United Soccer Coaches, your association for all things coaching. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Step. I want to thank Dr. Bill Searfelder, who's president of Belmont Abbey College, and he's part six of a six-part series led by the Faith-Based Coaches Advocacy Group. He had a lot of passion talking about developing body, mind, and soul in our athletes, and also right now as we deal with this COVID-19 pandemic across the world. 
infecting us all. And we wanted to have Rusty Oglesby on now. Rusty Oglesby recently elected as one of the vice presidents for United Soccer Coaches. He is the head boys soccer coach at John Paul II in Plano, Texas. And if you met Rusty, you will like Rusty. He brings a smile to your face. And, Rusty, we wanted to have you on, particularly, you know, can't forget about the impact this has made on high school, particularly sure. you think about spring sports as well. A lot of times, particularly where I'm from, the boys' sports, they're already done, but the girls' sports, they're not going to be able to uh, most likely play for a high school championship, and high school's pretty much over the way it looks like right now anyway, unless something drastic changes. Right. Uh, but in your role with United Soccer Coaches, you've been out front of this. You know, what is your message to these high school athletes that are essentially, particularly the seniors, are going to have to sit out what should be a great time, right, trying to capture a – Yeah, a that's – That's the that thing. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it is so hard. Um, I've tried to really uh, – I'm, I'm kind of similar to what you said. My, my private school season in Texas, we actually finished in February. So I'm so thankful and, and blessed that, that my group took that – you know, had the opportunity to finish their entire season. Now, that even being said, we, we had to postpone our banquet. You know how that suddenly becomes a massive deal, right? Money's invested and, and everything. So we may have been able to play our season, but we haven't been able to recognize our seniors and recognize our, our players the way we wanted to. And so that's a, that's a, a separate subset of uh, facing some new things and challenges. Um, but, gosh, I you know, I, I look back on it now, and, and, and I'd love to say as an adult it's easy for me to tell a kid, hey, keep your head high, it's all going to be fine, et cetera, et cetera. And yet I can still vividly remember losing a game when we were 21-1 and one my senior year in high school at Abilene High School and thinking the world had fallen apart. And to this day I can still smell the grass and hear the crowd, and that was well over 30-something years ago. So the importance of that game uh, to an athlete obviously is going to weigh heavily, I think, on the mind and spirit as they walk through this journey. I think the joy of life knowing hindsight as an adult now is how much more incredible opportunities of love and laughter and, and enjoyment in life is still to come that's going to overshadow such a small portion of what their life is. The, the hardest part we have with teenagers today, right, is that um, this is their life. They see literally three feet in front of them, and and not many people have the opportunity um, as a kid to understand, you know, what is what does twenty years down the road look like, right? Um, and so I think that's the challenge for all uh, these kids is is trying to get past the moment and live into what's going to be their future and understand that in this moment today it's not very fun, and they're starting to dwell on the sadness of not having certain things, not having prom, not having these these uh, these momentous milestones in their life, and yet now here we are as 45-year-old-plus adults looking back on it, and I don't even remember what the valedictorian spoke about it at graduation, and I don't even remember much about prom, and, I, you know, you get what I'm saying. And so um, I think today is just us letting kids feel the pain they're feeling and walking through that that moment with them and trying to help them find the other side. We're here with Rusty Oglesby, Vice President for United Soccer Coaches, and he's been a huge advocate for high school coaches, spearheading the high school advocacy group for such a, a long time. What is your message to high school coaches about trying to keep their team sharp and recommendations, you know, for their athletes? Sure. But specifically speaking to the high school coaches, men and women, what's your message to them, Rusty? I, I think number one is uh, – at some point, you have to face the the unfortunate reality that you you may have to collect uniforms uh, over the summer if you're in season right now. You may have to face a whole new normal of things you never thought possible, and that's okay. That that for high school coaches today, there's a couple things you can do. Number one, if you continue to do what we were called to do as high school coaches, and that's put the child first. Um, I I said this the other day in an interview is. It, you are a true proprietor of that child's soul, and you have to think about the mind, body, everything about that child um, that goes well beyond those white lines that, that make up that beautiful soccer pitch that we play on. And so you have to be able to help these kids do all those processes. So as a, as a coach and educator, what are you trying to do? Are you helping them understand that right now it's finishing up those educational pieces online are very important? And we want to find the balance of still staying um, mentally healthy, um, uh, through athletics and different things like that. And so continue to work with those kids and give them opportunities to do it. But understand, some of these kids are dealing with pressures and societal pressures and 
home lives that we, you know, we think we understand until we realize we may be taking them from their safe haven um, of school, that these kids get to come to school and feel safe, and suddenly we're thrusting them back home. So while we are a major part of, of, of what they have when they are at school, are we really walking a fine line of how, how much pressure are we putting on them to, quote, get better in this time um, when, when the reality is they may not be able to because of things that are happening at home, right? And so how are we trying to help them do that? So as coaches, how fresh are we staying, number one? How fresh are we staying as coaches mentally? Are we walking through this process um, trying to face it uh, as an as egocentric coach? Or are we looking at it as an existential coach where we're looking outside ourselves and trying to help other people? Um, I think, you know, again, being a high school coach, it's, it's what can we do to help kids grasp that whole concept? Um, you know, continuing to reach out to them, do the Zoom calls, do individual calls. This is probably the one time your school district might not mind you sending a text message to a kid. There's a lot of things that suddenly don't seem to be as big a deal today because it's all about taking care of each other. And if we're supposed to be taking care of kids the way we're supposed to, then it's finding those opportunities to reach out to them. And maybe the call isn't, hey, did you get 20 juggles in today? Did you get a two-mile run in today? Did you get any bench press in today? Maybe that call is, hey, buddy, How's everything going at home? Are your mom and dad okay? Is your brother okay? Is anybody sick at your house? Have you lost a grandparent? What's your life look like today? Maybe they just need to talk and you just need to listen. And I think right now that's going to be way more important than anything we do by sending them any kind of workout um, that's just going to bombard them with more things to mess on their mind. What a great message. Uh, as we wrap it up here with Rusty Oglesby, Rusty, I really felt like you would be the perfect person to put a capper on this faith-based coaches attitude group as we just heard this incredible message about developing body, mind, and soul. And one of the reasons why is as the co-host at the Friday Night Awards Banquet for United Soccer Coaches, I texted you while it was going on, congratulations on being VP. And I love your answer. You know, I'm just a country bumpkin from Texas. And you know what? This country bumpkin, you're going to, in six years or whatever it is, you're going to be president of this association. Right. And, I, you know, I just love your humbleness, Rusty, and, and you the way you carry yourself, the way you love your job, the way you love helping young kids. What does it mean to you to be vice president now, no matter what we're facing? What does it mean to you? Sure. You know, the, the greatest joy I have today for United Soccer Coaches and being a part of this is, number one, I am a very strong, religious, faith-based young man. Uh, I still call myself young. I still feel young. i got a three-month-old baby at the house, so I've got to stay young. Right. Um, Congratulations. But, but I, oh, thank you. But I, I tell you, I, I grew up the son of a, a Southern Baptist preacher's kid, and uh, there were lean times in life when, when we didn't know, you know, where everything was coming from. We, we were normal human beings. People forget that preachers' families are normal human beings. Um, and I had a dad who taught me the love of God, the love of others, and the love of sports. And so today I get to be the vice president of an organization and learn under an incredible board of directors with some incredible people that are going ahead of me that are teaching me the ins and outs of United Soccer. I've been able to be a part of the Advocacy Council and learn so much through so many incredible people and try to just become a sponge. Um, but, but to follow in line with what Dad taught me, number one, my God's in control of everything that's happening right now. For our people that are out there stressed and worried and understanding whether you believe the way I believe or not, I completely go with whatever you feel. That's cool. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord, and I'm here to tell you, uh, God loves you, your mom and daddy love you, and the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And so in this process, it's about keeping your chin up and fighting ahead. And, and people like me are here in those moments, hopefully now, that, that, that I can be a leader and a beacon for people to come to and just relieve stress. That's what I've been known to do through my whole career. I love that. I was I watched my father do it, and it's something I've migrated to through my whole time. I have the ability to sit here and listen to people and not let that bear down on me, but, but I also want to be the person that, that lets them know that they can come to and, and that their words are going to be heard and that it's going to be taken straight to my God and be, I'm going to pray for them, make sure that they're taken care of. Um, so I feel like right now, I just feel like this is the right time. It was the right time for me to step into this role I was blessed that the, the organization uh, selected me, and now I get to be a part of this. And so I'm thrilled to know that through all those upbringings and all those things I got to do in life, that for the next six years and years on after, I'm, I'm, I'm a past president. But for the next six years, I get to really help mold what this organization is going to be and continue to work through. And we're working through some trying times. United Soccer is going through it just like everybody else, and it's just it's nice to know that I feel like I've been trained and ready for this part. 
and this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now, and, and I'm just glad to give back to United Soccer Coaches and hope that we can just continue to move forward in the right direction through all of this, just like everybody else. Well, we're blessed to have you with the organization, blessed to have you on the show as well. Congratulations on the baby. Quick, uh, quick name and, and vitals. What did you have? Absolutely. We had a little Oakley Danielle on December 21st. She was, uh, gosh, a little over eight pounds. She's beautiful, absolutely the most beautiful thing in the entire world. So I'm the crazy guy who has a 22-year-old son, a 19-year-old daughter, uh, and now a three-month-old little baby. So uh, welcome to uh, Crazyville in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are having a blast, and, and uh, I tell you what, when you're trying to talk about finding silver linings and everything, to think that just a few you know weeks ago, I was playing the rat race and getting up early and going to school and coaching games and coming home and kissing the baby and going to bed and rinsing and repeating. You can know that every day through all of this little thing that's happening out here that we're facing, I've been able to spend 15 hours a day with my little baby girl. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that this happened in the world, but today I'm a very happy man because I get to spend time with my family. Silver linings indeed. Rusty Oglesby, thanks for all you're doing and thanks for being on the podcast, my man. Thanks, Dean. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for everything you do. Take care. High praise for Rusty Oglesby. High praise for Dr. Bill Fearfelder. He is the president of Belmont Abbey College. As he wrapped up our six-part series with the Faith-Based Coach Advocacy Group, I want to thank Mike Lynch, who works for Dr. Thier Felder, the very successful women's coach at Belmont Abbey and the chair of the Advocacy Group. Speaking of Mike's, I want to thank Mike Knipper and Sean Chevrolet of United Soccer Coaches. I want to thank each and every one of you. Stay safe out there, okay? Do the right thing. I know you will. For United Soccer Coaches and the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, I'm Dean Linky. Thanks for listening.